place that I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know a lot of people spend Wednesday nights doing whatever else they feel like they need to do. But there's no place I'd rather be than right here in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you would, open your Bibles with me tonight to Genesis chapter 35. If you don't know where Genesis is at, then we're in trouble. You're in the wrong building. It's, uh, but Genesis chapter 35. Be reading one verse of scripture. That's verse 18. It says, And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. The NLT, it says, Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, Jacob, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand or son of my strength. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject, living with a label, leaving with a legacy. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord, we love you tonight. God, I thank you so much for all that you have done. God, you have been so faithful. God, I pray right now that your anointing would fall in this place. God, I cannot do what is required of me, Lord, unless you anoint me. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart and soul in this place tonight, God, and have your way. God, and we are quick to give you all of the glory and all of the honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. You can be seated tonight. Labels. Labels are a classifying phrase or name that is applied to a person or a thing, especially one that is inaccurate or restrictive. Benjamin grew up to be a great leader. Out of his family line came the kings of Israel. In fact, even Paul was a descendant of Benjamin. God had a great destiny for Benjamin to fulfill and an assignment. But Jacob knew that if he went through life wearing the label son of sorrow, that he would never become what he was created to be. If he had to live his life each and every day with that shadow of, of gloom and doom, the son of my sorrow, the son that calls me to lose my life, he would grow up feeling pressure. He would grow up feeling like it was his fault. If anyone knew what this was like to have a name, that tainted your reputation, it was Jacob. He spent his entire life being called the liar, the deceiver, the trickster, and the cheat. But one night, God got a hold of Jacob when Jacob got a hold of God. And he wrestled with the angel all night long. And the Bible says, And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel, which means God prevails. 
Well, you don't understand, God, my name is Jacob for a reason, because from the very beginning, even when I was in the womb, even my entire life, I was that cheat, that trickster, that deceiver. I spent my life doing wrong to others. You don't understand why I've been called a liar, but God prevails. But you don't understand, I tricked my father and deceived my brother. God prevails. That's all you need to remember from here on out. You are not who you used to be. All you need to know from here on out is that God prevails. I don't care what you used to be. I don't care the reputation you used to have. I don't care what your neighbor sitting beside you tonight calls you. The only thing you need to know from here on out is that God prevails. You have met with God tonight and you have wrestled with the angel. And tonight you have a different name. From here on out you go by a different trait. Tonight you show the world that God prevails over every situation. God will take a liar and make him an honest person. God will take a cheat and make something wonderful out of him. God always prevails. So Jacob stepped in and said, no, this son that is being born right now, you're, you're labeling him something and you don't realize what it's like to have a name that will haunt you for your life. You don't know what it's like to go through life with a name that, that taunts your reputation each and every day. He's not a son of sorrow. He's not a defeat or a disappointment. This child is a son of destiny. He has seeds of greatness. His name will be son of strength. God knows how powerful labels can be, and so do I. We are creatures who label people. We identify them with their mistakes. We identify them with their triumphs. We see them and we see what they're going through in their life. And we label them who they are because of what they've gone through in life. It is just how life is. And we don't intend on labeling people. But we say if the boot fits, then wear it. We say that if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. Based on our perception of who they are and what they're going through, we decide to go ahead and put a label on them. They are a duck. They are what we are saying they are because they're showing us something that we label as a duck. And they're not showing us anything different. If it looks like a druggie, walks like a thug, and smells like booze, then it's probably a sinner. But this is not how God sees it at all. He said if it looks like a druggie and walks like a thug and smells like booze, then it's probably a prime candidate for my grace. If it's somebody who is hurting, then they're, they're, they're in the right place tonight because I'm the God who prevails. I'm the God who can take what you're going through in your life and I can give you a new name and a new reputation and I'll give you a brand new start. Scripture says, and such were some of you, but you've been washed and sanctified. Jesus choosing fishermen, tax collectors, and tent makers showed us very quick he was not into labels. Jesus using a shepherd boy, a stuttering, uneducated man, a lot like me named Moses, and a virgin by the name of Mary, he showed us again he's not into labels. The only label he cares about is making sure we get his name right. 
he sat down with his disciples and says, Whom do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elias. Some say you're a prophet. Well, who, who do you say that I am? Because that's all that's going to matter at the end of all of this is who do you say that I am? You, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon that rock, he would build his church that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Labeling is not some new thing. You go into schools and it's amazing. You can see that birds of a feather truly do flock together. We call them nerds, the jocks, preppies, divas, drama queens, the goths, the skater boys. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what they are based upon who they hang out with and what they look like and what they're going through. And we label them, they are a nerd. They are a jock. They are a cheerleader. And these people are labeled by how they dress, how they act, and how they talk. But people have labeled for a very, very long time. Scripture tells us in John, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. You see, they got to see him. They know. But this one who did not get to see, he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hand the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, guard hands, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And so with this statement, we give this man by the name of Thomas a title. And we've heard it through Sunday school. We've heard it in lessons. We call this man Doubting Thomas. But nowhere in the Bible do I see a scripture that labels him Doubting Thomas. But in us, in our humanity, we like to look at somebody who might have done something a little different than the way we have. Or maybe we, we, we were like the other disciples. Maybe we saw him and we know that he's alive. But this man named Thomas just simply said, You've seen it. Now I want to see it. You've got to experience it. Now I want to experience it. And we, through our eyes, see him and say, I will not believe. And because of something he said, tabbed him doubting Thomas. How is it fair to label someone who says, I appreciate what you're saying and it's not that I am calling you a liar, but I want to experience it for myself. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying I want to be a part of it too. I'm just saying I want to touch him. I want to know that he's alive. It's not good enough for me to hear about it. I want to know he is alive. It's not good enough to come and just sit on a pew and hear about his delivering power. I want to experience his delivering power. Call me Doubting Thomas if you want to, but I want to know for myself. Just because I come and I want a miracle too does not mean that I doubt that he did something for you. It just simply means that I want it for myself. There are some who were labeled even then. A man by the name of Bartimaeus couldn't just be Bartimaeus. He had to be blind Bartimaeus. He was labeled because of who he was and because of his disability. The Bible says, Then they reached Jericho, 
And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Mm -hmm. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. You see, he came with the label of the blind, but left with the label miracle. He came not being able to see, but he said, I once was blind, but now I see. I've lived with a label of blind man, but today I'm leaving with a legacy. Today I get to tell my children and my grandchildren, look what the Lord has done. He touched my eyes. I was blind, but now I can see. I was labeled a blind man because of how life turned out. Because of my handicap and my situation, I had a label placed on me as a blind man. And since I met Jesus, I am not who I used to be. I once was called blind Bartimaeus, but now they just call me Bartimaeus. But you see, we live our lives allowing others to mold us and label us and display us for the world to see. And we can't argue with the label because after all, they can clearly see I am blind. They can see things that are going on in my life. They can see that when pastor calls for altar call, I'm the first one up to the altar they know that something's going on in my life. They see the tears that I cry each and every time I'm in the house of the Lord. Clearly they see what I'm going through. Clearly they can see I'm a cheater. Clearly they can see I'm a steal and a trickster. Who am I to question their perception of me? There's a game out right now. It's called headbands. And you wear a headband on your head. You see, I can't see what you see. I can't determine who I am until this game's all over. And you wear a headband on your head and there is a card that you cannot see, but others around you can. And the entire time you are looking to others for information about you. You are asking questions about yourself, trying to find out exactly who you are. And when you finally guess who you are, you win the game. And if you fail to identify yourself, you lose the game. You ask questions like, am I old? Am I fat? Am I blue? Do I have hair on my head? Or am I bald? You're trying to discover who you are, but you're asking others around you and you're asking their perception all the while, there was somebody who gave you that card, and they know exactly who you are. And they respond with yes or no questions, and everyone else around can clearly see who you are. Can y'all see who I am? 
Who am I? It's okay. You don't have to be scared. Donald Duck. Everyone else can see your flaws and your hiccups. They can see the good things about you as well. They can point out all of your great attributes. But you are letting the world around you tell you who you really are. God told you who you are. He said you are a child of the one true king. He said you are heirs and heirs to the kingdom. He said you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, and a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He gave you a card, and it doesn't matter what anyone else around you says. It doesn't matter who anybody else thinks that you are. You just have to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That while you were in the womb, He knew you and He had a plan for you. He gave you the card for you to look at and say, Okay, I know who I am. I am a child of the King. I know what it looks like to you, but you don't know like I know what He's done for me. You don't know those moments that He's been with me when I was at my lowest. You don't know what He's done for me. You don't know where He's brought me from. And I could sit around and ask you questions all day trying to figure out who I am. But I'm here tonight to tell you I know who I am. You say, well, that game headbands doesn't sound like a game. That sounds kind of like real life. And you're exactly right. It does sound like real life. We have this identity that we we'd spend a lifetime trying to discover who am I? We start off in kindergarten saying what we want to be when we grow up. We were to go around here and ask you what you said when you were in kindergarten, what you wanted to be when you grow up. How many of you turned out to be what you wanted to be then? There's not much depth there. These parents who are stepping out and saying their child was born a boy, but has expressed since he was two years old that he wants to be a girl. And instead of these parents realizing this is a child who is not capable of deciding whether they want a cheeseburger or chicken nuggets... They decide to help this child become what the child is saying they want to be. I wanted to be a police officer at four years old, but I didn't turn out to be that. That was designated for Brother Brian. This comedian one time said he asked his four-year-old what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said that little boy looked at him and smiled and said, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. I want to help people. He said, man, this I just got so proud, and I reached down and hugged him. It was just one of those awesome dad moments that makes you so proud to be a father. He said that little four-year-old boy looked back up and said, or a dinosaur. That's kids, and they change their minds every day. But we are living in a world that is trying to push them to find their way at five years old. We're trying to get them to choose what they want to do for the rest of their lives. At, at seven years old, what college are you going to? What are you going to do with your life? Are you, have you decided what you are? Our world is cultivating this idea that we have to find our path in our own way. We have to discover our identity. And I'm not just talking about the gender identity crisis in our world. I'm talking about the overall identity crisis in our world. Everybody wants to be someone else. Everyone wants someone else's life. We have too many people trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Kardashians. 
and whoever else is the it thing for a day. We feel the need to be something spectacular, even if that means that we have to change the package or the contents of the package. Cosmetic procedures performed in the United States have increased 115% between 2000 and 2015. A startling 15.9 million Americans underwent a cosmetic procedure last year, which cost them a total of $12.9 billion. They say if I have to change the way I look, if I have to change the way I fix my hair, if I have to change the clothes that I wear, if I have to change the way I walk and the way I talk to be like that person, then that's exactly what I'll do. We have people not only compromising on holiness, we have people compromising their intelligence. And they're going off and doing crazy things. And church, don't tell me people are not willing to change to live for God when they are changing every single day to live for other gods. They're willing to change the way they look to serve their other gods. They're willing to change the way they talk to serve their other gods. They're willing to change the way they live their day-to-day lives for their other gods because they're trying to find something that's real. They're trying to find something that will accept them for who they are. But yet they're changing every day. My, what, what could happen if we found some of those people and we told them, hey, you know what, you don't have to go out and do all of that. You don't have to go out and be all crazy. But if you want to go out and write a $12.9 billion check, then you can write it to the church. That would be all right. I'm sure pastor wouldn't turn it away. If you're wanting to spend a couple of million dollars for a life change, tell them we can guarantee them a life change that will cost them nothing. There is a much easier way. But unfortunately, they don't realize that His way is higher than our ways. They think that what they are doing is right. And Proverbs tells us this, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. They need someone to tell them, we have what you are looking for, and back it up when they get here. Don't tell someone you have an awesome church, and when they show up on Sunday, you're not even here. Don't tell them they can sit by you in worship, and you sit down all service because you don't want them to be uncomfortable. Come on, somebody. Pastor and I, we were in Giddings last week, and I probably saw at least three places that had a sign on the front that said, Come in and enjoy the best burger in town. I saw at least three signs in this little small town that said that. And church, I'm no genius, but someone is lying. If I say I have the best burger in town... On my sign, I better be willing to serve the best burger in town. If people are coming in and eating it and they don't like it, then it doesn't matter what I'm saying. As they say, the proof is in the pudding. If they come in and they sit down at the table and I've promised them the best burger in town and I give them the best burger in town, you better know that they're going to go out and they're going to tell other people, hey, I know there's some other places that claim they have it. But this place has the best burger in town. 
When you know what you've got here is real and you know that what you have found here is the very best and you go out into the world and you say, hey, you're looking for something real. You're looking for the best. I can tell you where to find it. It's at at FM 528 in Webster, Texas, Greater Life Church. That's where it's at. You're looking for the best. It's there in that church. I can say I'm a Christian with a name change until I'm blue in the face. But if my lifestyle isn't matching up to what I'm saying, then I'm not really changed. But when I was baptized in the name of Jesus, the Bible says that I took on that name. And I took on that label, if you will, Jesus follower. You better believe I better live up to the label. You better believe what I am living better match the label I am wearing. Alexander the Great, one of the world's greatest warriors. His army conquered most of the known world in his time. In his army, there was a young boy who was handsome, strong, and skilled at fighting. Nothing like me. It seems that during a fierce battle, the boy became frightened and hid himself in a cave. Alexander went and he found this boy hiding in that cave behind a rock. And he said, boy, what is your name? And the young boy sheepishly replied, Alexander is my name, sir. And he said, what? He said, Alexander is my name, sir. Alexander the Great stood up and said, you need to change your ways or change your name. Basically, he was saying, if you're not serving the best burger in town, then you need to take that sign out front that says that because you're fooling people. If you're going to carry on the name of Alexander, you better carry it with pride and with honor and you better get out there and fight. You better step up and be a warrior. If you're going to wear the name of Jesus Christ, you better stand up and be proud. When you go into your schools, you don't need to walk down with your head hung low, hiding. You need to walk in and say, that's right. I said my name is Landon Long, and I am a Christ follower. I follow him everywhere he goes. I'm not going to back down and hide in a cave, but I'm going to stand proud to carry that name. So many people out there are under the persuasion that as long as your heart is right, then what's on the outside really doesn't matter. And then there's the other crowd that says on the outside, everything's going on, and, but the inside is a train wreck. This is why God tells us in his word, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish. And then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like wastelands, wasteful tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woo! That's a tough pill to swallow. When you think you're doing something good and you think you're carrying that name all right and you think you're doing something good, and he says, hang on, you've got it all wrong. You've got, you've got half of it right. 
You've got halfway there. You're doing okay, but listen to me. You've got to make sure that the inward part is right also. He did not say clean the inside and you're good to go. He said first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Get your heart right and the rest will follow. But me dressing the right part and acting the right part will not make my heart change. Scripture says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I like how the Message Bible says it. It says, or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. The label needs to match the stuff inside. My wife, I guess probably two years ago, my granddad and I on April Fool's Day was outside and we were building a fence. It was hot. I know you Texan people don't believe that, but it was hot. And my wife come outside she said... Sweetie, would you like a glass of sweet tea? Sure. I'd love a glass of sweet tea. And so my wife come outside and she had a clear glass with some ice and some light brown liquid in there. So guess what I thought I was getting? I thought I was getting what I was told I was getting, sweet tea. Only to take a drink and to about spit all of it up everywhere. To find out that, hey, I forgot it was April Fool's Day. And my wife and my sister decided they were going to put soy sauce in water and mix it up until it looked like tea. And they gave that to me. The outside looked right. It matched the description of what I told it what what I was told that it was. But what was on the inside was not what I was hoping for. If I pick up a can of Dr. Pepper, I don't want to take a drink of it and get a mouthful of milk. That that spells bad day. I like milk, but if I'm expecting something different, it it can cause a really, really bad day. I wouldn't be doing myself any favors tonight in the rumor department if I had Dr. Pepper up here in a Bud Light can. It takes both the outside and the inside being right. If I've got a Dr. Pepper can with the Dr. Pepper inside, then guess what? We're going to have a good day. I've got it looking good on the outside. I've got what's supposed to be on the inside there. And it takes both the outside and the inside being right. He said to glorify him in your body and in your spirit. And the only label I am looking for is good and faithful servant. 
I don't care what others have said. I don't care what others have labeled me. I don't care what card is on my forehead. It may say loser right across my forehead right now. But I don't care what you see. The only thing that I care about is that one day I will get to heaven and he will look down on me and he will give me that label, good and faithful servant. I don't care what you used to be. I don't care you used to be a sinner a liar, a cheater, a deceiver, a blind man, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is that you are a good and faithful servant. If God came in this place tonight and did an evaluation of our lives, would we be found guilty of false advertisement? Would what we acclaim to be promoting on the outside be found on the inside? Or is what we are claiming to be on the inside matching with how we appear on the outside? When others come in in contact with us, are they pleased with the product? Is there something about me that sparks an interest there? And they say, man, I've got something that you need to hear about. You see that woman at the well came in contact with something that day. And when he spoke to her and he saw her card and he called her on her card. And he began to talk to her and speak to her life. The Bible says she left and immediately began telling people, come see a man. You've got to come see this place, this best burger in town. That They're proclaiming it and it's more than just lip service. It's truth. It's real. It's alive. It changes people. That's what the world needs. The world needs an encounter with God for them to say, Hey, look, I know what you used to be, but go and sin no more. I know you're living this way now, but you can leave this place never having to go back to that again. I don't care what label you used to have. I'm giving you a fresh start today. Have others experienced what is inside of me? And because of that, they now want the same product. Or have they walked away unsatisfied with the results? The only place we are going to find our true identity is in Him. Otherwise, I'm going to live a long, miserable life trying to recreate what God already called wonderful. I'm going to spend a lifetime wasting my money trying to fix myself up to be somebody I was never called to be. I'll spend my lifetime trying to make myself look like Donald Duck and act like Donald Duck and talk like Donald Duck if that's what everybody's telling me I'm supposed to be. And that's a miserable way to live if you're walking around asking others what they think you need to be, what they think you need to do with your life. If you are an adult or you're old enough to make your own decisions and you're still looking at other people saying, what should I do with my life? If a 45-year-old man came in here and said, hey, what should I do for a job? What, what, should I do? what should I do with my life? He's got some problems if he's 45 years old and just trying to figure out what he wants to do. You better do what God called you to do. You better be who God called you to be. And stop worrying about what everyone else says. Or you'll live a miserable life trying to be someone else. Let's all stand in this place. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. 
When Paul said he had been crucified with Christ, he meant that his old, sinfully enslaved, wickedness, loving self had been put to death. That who he had grown up being, who he had been labeled, was no more. It was crucified with Christ and it died. When Paul's old self died, all the labels that went along with his old self also died. Paul was a violent man, but the violent label was nailed to the cross. Paul was a self-righteous fool, but the self-righteous label was pinned to the cross as well. What label do you need to nail to the cross tonight? What label do you need to remove tonight and say, This is what I've been for a long, long time. But tonight I'm going to put that to the side. And I've lived with labels, God. But tonight I'm leaving with a legacy. God, tonight I came as a blind man, God. But open my eyes tonight that I could see. That's all I'm asking is that I could leave this place no longer identifying with who I used to be. God, perhaps I've been saved for a long time, but I've still been carrying this card because it's still something I struggle with from time to time. God, it's just part of me. It's who I've always been. God, I came out of the womb a deceiver and a cheat. God, I came out of my mother's womb blind. It's who I've always been. But God, tonight I pray we would have an encounter with you. That we would leave this place forever changed. God, by being in your presence. God, that you would take what others have said about us, God, and throw it to the side. God, those words, God, that have caused us to become bitter. God, those words that have caused us hurt and pain. God, I remove that label tonight in Jesus' name. God, this addiction I've been carrying around with me that nobody knows about. God, tonight I take that label off in Jesus' name. God, I nail it to the cross. God, I'm not leaving with this label anymore. I'm leaving with a legacy that you're a miracle-working God, that you still save, that you still heal, and you still deliver. God, I'm tired of looking around at others, God, trying to find out what they want from me. God, but tonight I look to you. God, what do you want from my life? God, I want to be what you called me to be. I want to do whatever you're calling me to do. God, I identify with you tonight. God, I am yours and you are mine. Oh, I open these altars right now for anybody wanting to change some labels around in your life. Saying, God, I no longer want to be identified as that. I no longer want to struggle with that. God, but tonight I pray you would open my eyes. I don't want to be a blind man any longer. I don't want to be a crippled any longer. I don't want to be lost any longer. God, take this thing that's taunting me. Oh, God, change me, Lord. Oh, God, take away every hurt, every pain, every addiction tonight in the name of Jesus. God, I lay it down tonight. I pin it on the cross. Oh, God, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. Oh, I don't want to be landing any longer. I want a name change tonight. I don't want to be identified with my old problems. I don't want to be known for my old addictions. God, 
I want a new lease on life. God, I want a new name, a new start. God, I've lived with these labels long enough, God. But tonight, God, I want to leave with a legacy. God, I want to leave with something that I can give to my children. God, I want to leave tonight with something I can give to my grandchildren. God, that would be more than live service. God, but I would back up everything that I've said. That you are real. That you are alive. That you still heal. You still save. And you still deliver. God, here is the best thing. God, I don't care what others may say. I know what I have found here in this place. God, and I know that it is true. Ikaramandalabosata yalalabayandalabaha.